0: Well, this morning we start an Advent sermon series. So in these these four weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to look at a a series of scriptures we're calling our study Christmas Prophets. Uh, We're going to look at four different Old Testament minor prophets and seeing how God worked through them to predict and prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. And today we're going to look at Zechariah. Zechariah, and particularly uh, the, the vision he has in chapter 3, this really vivid passage that, uh, that, that shows a, a prophecy of the Jesus, of the Savior to come, and also I think fits in really nicely with, with our baptism this morning and our theme of God uh, washing us clean and taking away our sin. Uh, so uh, let's read first together Zechariah 3, just 10 verses, it's printed there uh, in your bulletin over on page 3, you should see uh, the passage as well as the outline for our study. let <clears throat> let's listen to God's word together. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, "The Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you." is this not a brand plucked from the fire now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments and the angel said to those who were standing before him remove the filthy garments from him and he said and to him he said behold i have taken your iniquity away from you and i will clothe you with pure vestments And I said, uh, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for these men are a sign, for these men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch, for behold, on, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day." In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. The reading from God's word this morning, let's let's pray for his grace. Lord, we do pray for the grace to understand the good things that you have uh, have delivered to us in your word. Lord, open our eyes that we might see uh, the Lord Jesus, we pray in his name Amen. Kids, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I hope you had a really great Thanksgiving. I want to ask you, uh, on, on Thanksgiving Day, did you have a really fancy dinner? A little bit fancier than usual. Is it a little bit fancier than usual? Did you, maybe you went to grandma's house, or you went to your cousin's house, or maybe it was at your house, a little bit fancier than usual? How about this? Did you get dressed up a little bit fancier than usual? No. <laughs> okay, maybe not. I bet you some of you got dressed up a little fancier than usual, right? Well, let's just say it was one of those Thanksgivings where you got dressed up a little fancier than <laughs> you did. And there you were before Thanksgiving. And before you got, you went, got in the car to go to Grandma's house, you're waiting for Mom and Dad in your nice Thanksgiving dress or, or Thanksgiving shirt. And you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And you're getting a little bored. And you decide, you know what, you're going to go play. You know you're not supposed to go outside and play in your nice Thanksgiving outfit, but you do anyway, and you're out playing around in the yard, and it happens. You fall, you trip and fall, and you get all dirty. Mud, grass stains on your nice Thanksgiving outfit. What do you do? I don't know. That Exactly. Exactly. You don't know what to do, right? Could could you grab a towel and try to wash it off? Right, that won't work. Could you run into the bathroom and try to wash the grass stains and mud? That won't work either. How could you get rid of the dirt? Well, that is very similar to the situation that Zachariah gets to witness in this vision, this, this dream that he has. Uh, Here he is, uh, witnessing this individual, Joshua, Uh, Joshua the high priest, and it's a a special day for Joshua. And he's supposed to get dressed up a little bit different than usual, uh, to be spotless and clean before not grandma's table, but before the Lord himself. Uh, But we discover that he is filthy. How can he get rid of the filth? Right, and what does that have to do with Christmas? And what does that have to do with us and our sin? Well, let's talk about it together. Uh, we'll start off with the problem. So you get three, three quick, quick points, three points that are all peas. The problem, the provision, the promise. So start off with the problem. The problem is filthy before a spotless God. So the prophet Zechariah, he lives. Uh, just after the exiles have returned from Babylon, right? The God's people were scattered uh, to, to Babylon 70 years, and then they, then they are allowed to return, most of them, coming back to the promised land. And these are the days of Ezra and Nehemiah uh, and prophets like Zechariah and Haggai. And, and here's Zechariah. He's, he's given these, these prophecies, these series of visions uh, to be able to challenge and encourage God's people in those days as they're starting to lose focus and, and be distracted. Uh, and so he's given these visions from the Lord to encourage and challenge them. And this is, this is the fourth vision he's given. And it's this picture of Joshua the high priest. Now, the high priest is, uh, is, is the one who has the job of standing before God this is, by the way, a different Joshua than Joshua of Jericho, right? Different Joshua. That was long before Joshua of Jericho. Different Joshua. This is Joshua the priest, the high priest. And he has this job of representing the people. He's the one person who can represent the people and go before the presence of God. And to do it, we actually talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, to do it, he's supposed to be completely clean. I guess that was last week, wasn't it? Uh, completely clean. Completely clean spotless garments, bathed spotless garments to stand before God, uh, to to represent the people, uh, but we're told there he is before the Lord. Uh, actually, verse 1, we the language there is standing before the angel of the Lord, uh, an, the angel of the Lord, this mysterious figure in the Old Testament. Uh, it's not just any old angel that seems clear. Uh, who is he? If you kind of put the passages together, it's 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 weird because, first of all, it talks about him as the angel of the Lord, but then all of a sudden it sounds like it's the Lord himself, which is it? Even in our own passage, you have the angel of the Lord, but then the Lord is speaking, almost as if they're interchangeable. What's going on? I think that the short answer is, I think what we have in the angel of the Lord is an Old Testament shadow of the Trinity, uh, and, and specifically of God the Son. Uh, but for our purposes here, you have Joshua the high priest standing before God, standing before God. But there's someone else who's before Joshua, and that's Satan, uh, Satan the Accuser. That's what the name Satan means. Uh, that fallen angel who's determined to destroy all the works of God and oppose God, uh, oppose God by opposing His people. And so here is here is Joshua and. And the Satan is there to bring accusation, uh, charges against him, to, in order to condemn him. And we discover that Satan doesn't have to make stuff up about Joshua. He doesn't have to lie, uh, because sure enough, Joshua has a big problem. And Satan isn't lying about the problem. Now, because we're told, uh, verse 3, Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments filthy garments not just not just talking about little little spot on his robes filthy the root word there for filthy is the Hebrew word for excrement So just give a kind of sense of just how befouled we're talking uh, I, I had unfortunate experience with this recently last week Moses and I were running off the flag football field. We were late for an event. So we're running to the car, trying to make it in time. Jump in the car, speed away, driving about a block away. And what's that smell? Look down at my shoe. Yep. Stepped in, dog. The amount of smell, the amount of time and effort it took to get rid of that from my shoe... Why bring that up? To kind of give you a sense, not just intellectually, but even like, of what we're talking about here. When we talk about Joshua before the presence of a holy God. And, and, and this is a sense intellectually and, and in our gut of how filthy he appears. And, and it's not just a problem for Joshua. Uh, because, as every Israelite reading this prophecy would immediately get, the high priest, he represents the whole people. Right? So it's not just Joshua, it's the whole people in this, as he's represented, befouled. It's a picture of sin before a holy God. Uh, it's the picture of what, because uh, you'll see later, it does talk about God dealing with iniquity, sin, Right? It's our rebellion against God, our, our failure to, to keep his law and walk in his ways, our failure to love him uh, as, as the, the, the one of all our heart and all our mind and strength, or love our neighbor. That sin is so ugly and befouling before a holy spotless God uh, that it's like this picture of Joshua in those, in those filthy garments before God. And the Bible says it's a, it's a universal problem, right? Not just this one guy. He represents all of us. Right? We, we can say, apart from some miraculous rescue, we could say, that's me. That's me. That's, that's, that's apart from some rescue, that's how I stand before a holy God. Uh, and, and that's why God would be absolutely just in condemning me, we can say to ourselves. Now, part of the problem why we don't normally think of our of sin as that bad is because usually what we're doing is we're we're comparing ourselves to to other people, right? It's as if if you went back to that Thanksgiving morning picture, it's as if uh, the you come in to with your stained outfit to talk to mom, uh, but your brother comes too. And, and your, your defense before mom is, yeah, but mom, it's don't get mad at me because my brother is actually a little bit dirtier than me. It might sound good as you're looking at your brother, uh, but comparing it to the spotless clean uh, that, God, that, that your mom intended you to be in, uh, it doesn't really matter if you're a little bit more clean than your brother. A little bit less dirty. And that's really where, where we start to get the, the, the really ugly nature of our sin. It's not by looking and comparing foul clothing with one another. It's by comparing uh, our sin with a, with a spotless God. That's where it call, comes uh, to, to, to head here with Joshua. So that's, you look at Joshua, you see, that's me. That's me. It was implied in our baptism this morning, Right? Why would anyone need water? Because they're dirty. Outward picture of an inward sin problem. And it is, again, not just one individual this morning. We can all say, yeah, that's, apart from some rescue, that's me. Have you wrestled with, this is what our sin looks like before a holy God? Problem. But God's provision. Right? It's got to be God... Who, who does it got to be God who rescues and sure enough that's what we have here with the, this vision uh, it's not Joshua who defends himself uh, it's God well verse 2 he begins uh, he begins the defense uh, by saying that this Joshua is 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 a part of God's people God is the one who's who's rescued him he compares it to a, a burning stick that's snatched from the fire uh, before it's consumed uh, god has chosen Uh, chosen this man, chosen this people. God takes the initiative to rescue, which of course is our only hope if we're going to be rescued. It's not going to be us running in from the outside with our befouled clothing trying to think uh, uh, a paper towel is going to fix the job. We can't fix ourselves. God's going to have to do it, and God takes the initiative. In fact, you keep going, and it's God who does the great work of mercy. Verse 4, And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him, and to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. All right. God takes the initiative, and how does he fix the problem? Right? Two stages. One, the filthy, filthy garments are removed, and then clean clothes replace it. Right? The filthy garments, right? Picture our Sin and its ugliness and its stink filled befouledness before God. And God steps in and He takes them off. And th- not just that, uh, but He replaces them with the clean, spotless, holy righteousness that's not ours. It's what the Bible calls justification uh, God's saving work to deal with the guilt and stain of our sin. Uh, First, God's got to remove the stain from from us so that we're we're not counted as dirty before him. Uh, And then he's got to reclothe us with a righteousness, a purity that's not our own, of our own making. And that's what God does uh, in saving us, in in justification. That's how how we can be accepted and safe and welcomed uh, before a holy God. That's how Joshua gets to be safe, right? That's why. That's why Satan has no case here, right? Satan's bringing accusation, and it starts off. Well, Satan's got a got a really strong case. Well, he is <coughs> filthy, but then God, God fixes it, and now now Satan's got he, he's got he's got nothing. His whole case was filthy guilty but but now he's spotless and Satan has no case he could talk all day but he's got nothing and that is the good news of what God does in saving us right even verse 8 shows that Joshua and his priest friends here there it's a sign it points to something bigger. Kind of like our baptism, we said, was a sign pointing away to to, to the real salvation. So this vision is a a sign. It points to the work that God does. It points to that work of God uh, to fix our problem. Uh, That God uh, takes the initiative, he removes the the filthy garments of our sin, and reclothes us with a, a holy righteousness that's not our own. That's our only hope. That God would do that work for us, and that's the only way we could be right before a holy God. And and if that God does that, then we are really, really safe—a free eternity. Uh, Paul puts it this way in in Romans eight. He says, uh, "Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It's God who justifies." Who's to to condemn? Who's going to bring a charge? It's kind of picturing that same scene of Joshua and and Satan. And so now it's talking about those who are God's people. Those that God rescues. And and here, who's going to condemn them? Right? If, If you're trusting in Christ, this is you. Who's to condemn you? Who's to condemn me? Well, before we were like Joshua and there was all kinds of things, all kinds of charges. But if God takes those filthy garments off, puts on uh, the righteousness of Christ, then, then there's, there's nothing. No one can bring any charge. Well, they can try, but nothing's going to stick. Uh, this is why uh, if you have this righteousness, you have this removal of sin and clothing in new righteousness, then you are safe. You are safe before God, Welcome before God as His child, His precious one, right now uh, when you stand before God at the final judgment and every day in between. Because uh, like Joshua the priest, there's no charge that can stand against you. If God does this work of cleansing, this work of removing sin and reclothing, which is why we ask that question, well, how does this happen? How does this happen? How could God do this? Well, that's, that's the, the last point what we call the promise. So we have the problem. Filthy before a spot was God. The provision, the, the gift of, of justification being reclothed. And here's how it's done. It's the promise of a servant to come who will bring this salvation. Again, verse 8, uh, God says, Joshua and the others with him, the other priests, they're, they're a sign. They're a sign of one to come. One that that here is described as the branch, right? Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. That might might sound strange to us, uh, but in Old Testament prophet language, uh, that's speaking of the Messiah. Uh, The long-awaited king from the line of David, who who had been talked about and promised for now generations. Zechariah hears the promise again. This branch, this savior king from the line of David, he's going to come. And what is he going to do? Well, for one, he's going to be somehow connected with the priesthood, right? Because God kind of brings Joshua and his priest friends into it. So this branch is going to be a priest king. Joshua-like priest king is going to show up. What's he going to do? Verse 9. He's going to remove iniquity of this land in a single day. Single day, right, all the filth of that sin we saw in the clothing, all that's going to be removed. Uh, single day, when the priest, king Joshua shows up, the rescue is going to begin. And in fact, what's going to come with it is peace and prosperity uh, for those who are rescued. Verse 10, what's going to come? Uh, everybody's going to invite his neighbor under his vine and fig tree. That's, that's Old Testament pictures of peace and prosperity peace and prosperity and and God says it's coming, he tells Zechariah he's coming he says just wait for the Joshua priest king to show up and it's coming well 500 years go by 500 years but then there's another angel showing up and another dream another vision we read it this morning a dream this time to, to Joseph. And remember what the angel says to him. You know, listen carefully. Right, We skip over, we hear these words a lot, but the details are significant. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now you get another vision, uh, and and Joseph gets this language. Joseph, son of David. So this guy is from the line of the kings. He's the line of the Messiah, son of David. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, which means that this son that she bears is going to be your son, in your line. So the son is going to be in the line of the king's. And you, as the father figure in his life, are going to name him. And what are you going to name him? You're going to name him Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. Name him Jesus. Now we get that language Jesus, or that pronunciation Jesus, uh, from the Greek. Uh, But Joseph's native language was not Greek. Uh, His native language was Hebrew, Aramaic. You know what Jesus is in in Aramaic, Hebrew? Uh, Jesus, in, in that language, probably what Joseph heard from the angel's mouth, not Jesus, but Yeshua. Joshua. Joshua. You're to name him Joshua. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. He's going to remove iniquity. This Joshua... Priest-King, the angel says, he's just arrived, And he's going to do it. He's going to remove sin. He's going to save his people. He's going to get rid of sin, iniquity, what did the prophecy say, in a single day. A single day. And we, we, we think about, oh, that's right. There, there is a single day where, where this Joshua-Priest-King deals with sin. And we think about the cross where, where Christ dies. Now think about that, uh, that scene at the cross. Here is is Jesus, this Joshua, uh, and well, everyone who is honest looks at him and says, this guy is spotless. Everybody who's honest says he's spotless. Pilate, I find no guilt in this man. The thief on the cross, he has done nothing wrong. The centurion at the bottom of the cross, surely this was a righteous man. So everybody who's honest says, "This, this Joshua is spotless. But yet, on that day, he is treated as if he were filthy, as if he were defiled. Uh, And and, and then the death of the cross and what it represents, as if he were wearing those filthy robes. Yeah, the scripture explains. It's because, not because he in and of himself was sinful, but because he is bearing the robes of our filthy iniquity. He is wearing them and being treated as our sins deserve. And the, and the condemnation that we deserve, it goes on Jesus on that day so that it's dealt with. So that all who have faith in Christ, that, that iniquity, that sin, it, it's dealt with in that single day. So that if you're trusting in Jesus and what he did, it means, it means he took that filth, those filthy robes of sin. So you're not wearing them anymore. In fact, uh, what you're wearing now, what you're reclothed with, is that very spotless righteousness of Christ. So so here's how God does it. Here's how God fixes it, right? This, This Joshua shows up, this priest king, who in this single day bears iniquity so that his people, everyone who trusts in what Jesus has done, as their only hope, right? Not trusting in ourselves that we might quick clean ourselves up. No, trusting in what Jesus did. Right? Our filthy robes are removed, and we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Right? Is your is your faith in this Jesus? That's your hope. As you think about your your sin before God, well, if you are trusting in this Christ, then then this is this is good news. You know, this whole picture is is just this vast image of, of God's good news for you. Uh, that you, right now, before God, th- those sin-stained garments, uh, th- all that ugliness that you've done inside and outside, it's gone. It's gone. You appear before God, perfect holiness, not, not your holiness, not your righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ, like a garment clothing in you that's why you're, you're accepted and welcomed and rejoiced over and safe now and for all eternity. There is no one who can bring a charge against you. No one who can say guilty, condemn. Nope. None of those charges will stick. Not because of what you've done. Because of what Christ did on that single day. See, the good news that we can remind ourselves of. Uh, whether it's through baptism and we're thinking about what it is that washes us clean, or it's, or it's Christmas. As we're thinking about this, this one who, long-awaited one who arrives, we can think, yeah, dealing with iniquity. Joshua, the one who saves his people from their sins, he's arrived. And he's done it. And, and what we receive is, is that, that peace and prosperity, It begins now as we have a a peace before God and the spiritual riches that that are unfathomable and will transform the entire world when Christ returns. And it's all because this Joshua has arrived. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the good news of Jesus. We thank you that you've had mercy and shown love, your love, uh, in him. We pray that you would give us Uh, eyes to see, a heart to believe, to rejoice, and and then, uh, Lord, freed up that we would be bold uh, to walk in your ways and delight in who you are, uh, Lord, and reflect this good news to those around us, uh, because what we could never do, you have done, and we praise you for it, and thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.